Section 10 from Richard of Jamestown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Richard of Jamestown, A Story of the Virginia Colony, by James Otis. Section 10. Captain Kendall's Plot. It is not possible my memory will serve me to tell of all that was done by us in Jamestown, after we were come to our senses through the efforts of my master. But the killing of Captain Kendall is one of the many terrible happenings in Virginia, which will never be forgotten so long as I shall live. And our people were relieved from the famine through the gifts from the Indians and the coming of the wild fowl. Captain Smith set about making some plans to provide us with food during the winter, and to that end he set off in the shallop to trade with the savages, taking with him six men. He had a goodly store of beads and trinkets with which to make payment for what he might be able to buy, for these brown men are overly fond of what among English people would be little more than toys. While he was gone, Master Wingfield and Captain Kendall were much together, for both were in a certain way under disgrace since the plot with which they charged my master had been shown to have been of their own evil imaginings. They at once set about making friends with some of the serving men, and this in itself was so strange that Nathaniel and I kept our eyes and ears open wide to discover the cause. It was not many days before we came to know that there was a plan afoot, laid by these two men who should have been working for the good of the colony instead of to further their own base ends, to seize upon our pinnace, which lay moored to the shore, and to sail in her to England. How that would have advantaged them I cannot even so much as guess, but certain it was that they were carried on board the pinnace a great store of wild fowl, which had been cooked with much labor, and had filled two casks with water as if believing such amount would serve to save them from thirst during the long voyage. These wicked ones had hardly gone on board the vessel when Captain Smith came home in the shallop, which was loaded deep with Indian corn he had bought from the savages, and seeing the pinnace being got under way, had little trouble in guessing what was afoot. THE DEATH OF CAPTAIN Kendall. If ever a man moved swiftly, and with purpose, it was our master, when he thus came to understand what Master Wingfield and Captain Kendall would do. He was on shore before those in the pinnace could hoist the sails, and calling upon all who remained true to the London Company to give him aid, had three of our small cannon, which were already loaded with shot, aimed at the crew of mutineers. Five men, each with a matchlock in his hand, stood ready to fire upon those who at the same time would desert and steal from us, and Captain Smith gave the order for Captain Kendall and Master Wingfield to come on shore without delay. For reply, Captain Kendall discharged his firearm, hoping to kill my master, and then those on the bank emptied their matchlocks with such effect that Captain Kendall was killed by the first volley causing Master Wingfield to scuttle on shore in a twinkling, lest he suffer a like fate. The whole bloody business was at an end in less than a quarter hour, but the effect of it was not so soon wiped away. For from that time each man had suspicion of his neighbor, fearing lest another attempt be made to take from us the pinnace, which we looked upon as an ark of refuge, in case the savages should come against us in such numbers that they could not be resisted. 
CAPTAIN SMITH'S EXPEDITION AND RETURN Until winter was come we had food in plenty, for one could hardly send a charge of shot toward the river without bringing down swans, ducks, or cranes, while from the savages we got sufficient for our daily wants, meal made from the corn, pumpkins, peas, and beans. But this did not cause Captain Smith to give over trying to buy from the Indians a store of corn for the winter, and shortly after Captain Kendall's death he set off with nine white men and two Indian guides in a barge, counting to go as far as the head of the Chickahominy River. This time twenty-two long, dreary days went by without his return, and we mourned him as dead, believing the savages had murdered him. The discontented ones were in high glee because of thinking the man who had forced them to do that which they should had gone out from their world for ever, and we two lads were plunged in deepest grief, for in all the great land of Virginia Captain Smith was our only true friend. Then arrived that day when he suddenly appeared before us, having come to no harm, and as Master Hunt lifted up his hands in a prayer of thanksgiving, because the man who was so sadly needed in Jamestown had returned, I fell on my knees, understanding for the first time in my life how good God could be to us in that wilderness. I would that I might describe the scene in our house that night, when Master Hunt was come to hear what all knew would be a story of wildest adventure for it went without saying that my master never would have remained so long absent from jamestown had it been within his power to return sooner an exciting adventure we waited to hear the tale until he had refreshed himself after the long journey and then what captain smith told us was likened to this as i remember it after leaving the village he had sailed up the river until there was no longer water enough to float the barge when, with two white men and the two Indians, he embarked in a canoe, continuing the voyage for a distance of twelve miles or more. There, in the wilderness, they made ready to spend the night, and with one of the savage guides my master went on shore on an island to shoot some wild fowls for supper. He had travelled a short distance from the boat, when he heard cries of the savages in the distance, and, looking back, saw that one of the men had been taken prisoner, while the other was fighting for his life. At almost the very minute when he saw this terrible thing, he was suddenly beset by more than two hundred yelling, dancing savages, who were sweeping down upon him as if believing he was in their power beyond any chance. The Indian guide, who appeared to be terribly frightened, although it might have been that he was in the plot to murder my master, would have run away. But the Captain Smith held him fast while he fired one of his pistols to keep the enemy in check. Understanding that he must do battle for his life, my master first took the precaution to bind the Indian guide to his left arm, by means of his belt, in such fashion that the fellow would serve as a shield against the shower of arrows the savages were sending through the air. Protected in this manner, Captain Smith fought bravely, as he always does, and had succeeded in killing two of the Indians with his matchlock, when suddenly he sank knee-deep into a mire. It seems that he had been retreating toward the canoe, hoping to get on board her where would be some chance for shelter, and was so engaged with the savages in front of him as to give little heed to his steps. Once he was held prisoner by the mud, the enemy quickly surrounded him, and he could do no better than surrender. Instead of treating him cruelly, as might have been expected, 
These brown men carried him from village to village, as if exhibiting some strange animal. TAKEN BEFORE POWHATAN When he was first made captive, the Indians found his compass, and were stricken with wonder, because however the instrument might be turned, the needle always pointed in the same direction. The glass which protected the needle caused even more amazement, and believing him to be a magician, they took him to Powhatan. After many days of traveling, the savages were come with their prisoner to Powhatan's village, where Captain Smith was held close prisoner in one of the huts, being fairly well treated and fed in abundance, until the king, who had been out with the hunting party, came home. Twice while he was thus captive did Captain Smith see the girl Pocahontas, who had visited him in Jamestown. But she gave no especial heed to him, save as a child who was minded to be amused, until on the day when some of the savages gave him to understand that he was to be killed, for having come into this land of theirs, and also for having shot to death some of their tribe. When he was led out of Powhatan's tent of skins, with his feet and hands bound, he had no hope of being able to save his own life, for there was no longer any chance for him to struggle against those who had him in their power. POCAHONTAS BEGS FOR SMITH'S LIFE He was forced down on the earth with his head upon a great rock, while two half-naked savages came forward with heavy stones bound to wooden handles, with which to beat out his brains, and these weapons were already raised to strike, when the girl Pocahontas ran forward, throwing herself upon my master, as she asked that Powhatan give him to her. Now, as we afterward came to know, it is the custom among savages that when one of their women begs for the life of a prisoner, to grant the prayer, and so it was done in this case, else we had never seen my master again. It is also the custom when a prisoner has thus been given to one who begged for his life, that the captive shall always be held as slave by her. But Pocahontas desired only to let him go back to Jamestown. Then it was she told her father how she had been treated when visiting us, and Powhatan, after keeping Captain Smith prisoner until he could tell of what he had seen in other countries of the world, set him free. End of section 10